of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, here we are, basketball season winding down for uh, high schools in the state of Ohio, and uh, there are two teams left with Stark County ties, one for the boys, one for the girls, and we're going to have both of those games for you this week here on WHBC to talk all about that. Let's go to the guy who calls the games for us, football, basketball, whatever we do. You hear his voice on the radio, and he joins us here on the Kenny and JT Show. We call him Bells. You know him as Dan Belford. How are you, Bells? Hey, doing great. Hey, Kenny. Hey, JT. Dan, I got to tell you, earlier on, we played a clip from one of the calls you had over the weekend. Brian says, you guys want to hear it? I said, I don't want to hear it. I have to hear it. Anytime Dan Belford's on a call, I want to hear it. Oh, thanks, bud. I appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, boy, we were kind of shell-shocked at the end. That The whole complexion of that game and the intensity changed in a matter of, of 15 seconds yeah, until we got to the final bucket and the last shot by Jackson. Well, they played hard. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a physical, intense game. And uh, Coach Purdue had said, you know, it was basically a, a turnover here, a missed shot there, a defensive lapse here, and that's the difference in the game. We talk about little things can either benefit you or prove to be a detriment. In this case, it was a detriment for Jackson. Dan, isn't that pretty much the entire season for all the teams that you guys have called all season long? It seems as though it's been a roller coaster ride, not knowing the outcome of any game. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe, because in the game we did with Jackson, um, it, it, that's a game where Stowe jumped on, I think, quickly, like 5 nothing. Jackson comes back pretty quickly and takes the lead. And we didn't have a lead change, if I'm not mistaken, until that game-winning shot at the end. It, it, but it was a, a roller coaster, ebb and flow, get close, a distance again for Stowe. They get close again. Jackson kept pushing out. Yeah, I, I commend both coaches and, and both uh, sets of uh, kids, starters and bench, that played and left everything on the floor. It's just it ended up being one point shy for the Bears. Yeah, and I mentioned this earlier, Bells. There are two teams that aren't playing from Stark County that could very easily be playing, uh, you know, this weekend in Louisville, a loser by one. And uh, what was the final of the Jackson game? Was it a one-point or two-point uh, final, Bells? One-point game, winning shots yeah. to be a, um, a one-point game. And the there interesting thing there, Jenny, is – and go back to Louisville, too, and I saw Tom McBride uh, before the game. Uh, the coaches all come out and were over at Alliance watching. We chatted for a bit, and he said, you know – we were one back cut away, and that's what happened to them. They got taken out by something that they run to perfection themselves on offense. He said, we were one back cut away from moving forward. So that's something you hope resonates with the kids. They can marinate on that in the offseason. But I totally agree with you. Uh, they were one play literally from advancing, and who knows what happens after that because they had the caliber of kids to keep yep. going. They really did. Yeah, both those teams, Jackson and Louisville, uh, was pulling for them. But the two teams that are left standing, and we'll start with the boys, then we'll get to the girls because we're doing both games this week on WHBC. Uh, And we thought, you know, I think most of us felt Jackson had a chance to go far along with Louisville. Those were the two D1 schools. And then we also thought because of the tough schedule they played that come D3 playoff time that maybe Central could make some noise. 
boy, they're, they're making a lot of loud noise right now as they're the last boys team standing uh, in the OHSA playoffs from Stark County. Yeah, how about that? Um, we got over there early at Worcester, which if you've never been, is a, just a wonderful facility uh, to play a game and, and watch a game. Central crowds showed up in mass, as well as Norway. They travel well, great fan base for Norway. And I agree. I mean, here's a Norway team. This is their fourth appearance in the district final. Those four years, they averaged 20-plus wins along the way. And the thing that's interesting about this team, they, they lose two seniors. They dressed 10 sophomores and three juniors on that team, along with two starters that were seniors. And Central had their hands full. They were very athletic. Uh, They played defense better than I thought they might play defense. And they were very aggressive and could be physical when they needed to be. A wonderful team to watch. They really were. But Central, in my opinion, as they collected themselves after the first half and we got deeper into the second half, the physical part of the game, started to benefit the Crusaders, and that was the outcome as they pushed ahead and it won that game by six. Yeah, and when you have a you know the Stark County Football Player of the Year playing basketball mm-hmm. for you, right? You got that middle linebacker out there throwing that body around, and what do you have, 12 or 14 points, Jack Talkington? Yeah, and he's missing half a tooth, too, because he lost that in the first half uh, wow. with a collision with one of the kids for uh, Norway. Who's the kid? Ethan Hunt. And it was just one of those plays where they're both going for the ball out of bounds toward the central bench. They both were down low to go after it. And I think uh, Jack just took an elbow or forearm to the um, mouth. And then we realized after they collected themselves, took him out and put him back in, he had lost part of his tooth. And someone had said he had told his mom, I I need to get this filled. She said, well, let's wait till the season's over in case you lose another one while you're out there playing. So uh, just good dental awareness on their part. But, yeah, Jack played an outstanding game. And, you know, you guys both mentioned last week how much does coaching come into play when you get in these intense Mm -hmm. moments and down the stretch against a very talented team. And they made adjustments at halftime. And the biggest adjustment – uh, benefited Jack Talkington. He got every point in that game on back cuts. They started running weaves and started running the offense to strong side, maybe left or strong side, right, getting defense to overcommit. And all you need is that fraction of a second to, to get that backdoor pass in. And, and if I'm not correctly, Jack missed one shot in the game and he got the offensive rebound on that and put it back. So everything was just worked to a science in that second half. Working around the rim became central strength in the game down the stretch uh, to pull out that win. Bells, I'm so glad you mentioned coaching because during uh, this interview, I jot down a couple of notes. And other than Debevic, you know, I, I think of names like Fuel Line, Dave Hoover, Mike Riley. Who's yeah. next in the line of great head coaches and high school baskets in this area that can win it all? Boy, I'll tell you, it's, it, it is such a level playing field anymore where you, you hear about good teams and, and there are so many of them out there and so many good coaches, but uh, we're seeing such a level playing field in terms of talent, in terms of caliber of teams, the feeding systems, you know, coach D over at Jackson year in and year out. I think coach Harrison started to put his DNA on the Glen Oak program. Coach B is working hard over at, um, over at McKinley, I love Coach Bluey over at Hoover. Tom Siegfried, I think, over the past five years especially, has taken that Louisville program to a different level. 
we have so many solid coaches to say that you're going to just make that run again is so difficult because the teams outside of this county are pretty proud of themselves too and the heritage they have and the feeder systems they have. Right now, do I see any one person that's going to catapult his team to the Final Four? No, but many coaches with their systems that have an opportunity to do so and season after season is just going to tell you if that's going to unfold or not. Yeah, and we just got the release earlier today, guys, for the Federal League, all Federal League team, first, second, and honorable mention, player of the year, coach of the year. Player of the year goes to Owen Wolbert, the senior from Jackson, uh, and the coach of the year went to Tim DeBevick, uh, the head coach there uh, at Jackson. And, uh, you know, thoughts, prayers going out to Coach DeBevick uh, and his family as his daughter Chelsea um, uh, in the hospital down in Columbus, so uh, we, we keep her in our thoughts. And, and that had to weigh on the kids, too. I was thinking about that the other day, and Coach Purdue's outstanding as Tim's right-hand man, and he had to take over for Tim in the two biggest games of the year. So not only are you playing a good team in Norway, uh, I know everybody on that roster and all the family members were you know concerned uh, about Chelsea, too, Dan. Oh, absolutely. And, and John had mentioned that in some other contacts. Uh, that we talked to over at Jackson, they played very inspired ball. Uh, being uh, Coach Sebevic in his situation, it was part of their pregame chatter. It was part of their postgame chatter after the, the win that got them to Saturday. And that tells you something about uh, the system in Jackson, that your head coach unexpectedly, because of a, a family issue, has to step away in a very serious issue. And your yeah. assistant steps in, and they don't skip a beat. Uh, John is well-schooled beneath uh, Tim DeVevic and did a marvelous job. Those kids, could I, I really question how much better they could have played. Uh, that's how intense they were over those two games. Inspired basketball, they, they showed that on the court, but the end result was just that one-point difference. And, and, and keep an eye out. They're going to be right there again next year when we start talking about who do you think can make a run. Jackson Polar Bears is somewhere you always have to hang your hat, guys. Uh, absolutely, and here's why. Uh, and I'll read you the uh, All Federal League First Team: Owen Wolbert, uh, Senior Jackson; uh, Brady Rollison, Junior for Green; uh, Chance Kassenheiser, Junior for Lake; Jalil Graham, Senior for McKinley; Jacory Lipkins, Junior for Glen Oak; and Wesley Collins, Senior for Hoover. That's your All Federal League First Team. But as you mentioned, Bells, why Jackson is going to be right there again next year? Kyle Monterubio, yep. sophomore, made the All Second Team from Jackson, and uh, Mitch. Is it Finefrock or Finfrock? How do you pronounce the kid's last uh, name? Finnefrock. Finnefrock. All right. So Mitch Finnefrock, the sophomore from Jackson, they make the all-second team. So you got two sophomores uh, from this year's team uh, coming back. And, oh, yeah, honorable mention. Uh, oh, no, I guess not. He'll be a senior. He's graduating, James Boser. But still, uh, you got those two sophomores coming back. Uh, and so, you know, they will be a team to be reckoned with for sure next year, but so will Glen Oak. I, I think Rick Hairston is really looking forward to next year uh, with what he's done there. Uh, Reese Zerger is a sophomore who made the second team. You had Limpkins making the first team, uh, and then you throw in another sophomore in Bryce Broom uh, for Glen Oak making honorable mention. So right now, looking ahead to next year, to me, it's going to be Jackson and, and Glen Oak along with everybody else, but I think they'll be the two teams everybody's shooting up at next year. Without a doubt, and Toss Hoover in there, too. They are extremely young. I know Coach okay. Blue is excited with what he has going on there. But you mentioned uh, Zerger over at yep. uh, Glen Oak. I thought he matured so greatly uh, down the stretch and showed us that in that uh, win against Lake in the in the first-round game 
over at Glen Oak. Uh, it's just a solid kid. I love the way he plays, and he's just going to hopefully grow a little bit more and, and get that much better. The offseason will tell, and these coaches are the type of coaches that keep their kids involved uh, during the offseason. Jackson, again. Uh, Monterubio, I really feel, has the potential to be one of the best players in Northeast Ohio, if not beyond by the time he's a senior. He's that good, and we saw his maturity kick in big time in the uh, once he got to the uh, district uh, semis and district finals. So there's a lot to look forward to next year. Going to be a lot of fun. Now getting back to Central, uh, Division yeah. Three Regional Semifinals. They take on Wayne Trace High School. It'll be Wednesday at 6 p.m. from Bowling Green University. Aha! Uh-huh. Isaac Zumba. Uh, you and Denny will be heading out there to call that one for everybody. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what. Fourth district title in school history for, uh, you know, the, the Central Catholic Crusaders. Matt Creamer is going to join us at 6 o'clock, Bells. But uh, this is a team, as we said, right, battle-tested from that tough regular season schedule, man. And it uh, would not surprise me if they go in there and get a win on Wednesday and then come back and play for a regional championship. It would not surprise me at all, Kenny. It would not. Uh, we've, we've really enjoyed watching these kids. They have a nice mixture of perimeter kids and guys who just like to play their role with their back to the basket. Dylan Rouse really is one of the better big guys I, I've watched all year. I haven't had a chance to see him a lot, but very impressed uh, with his play. Jack brings um, Jack Talkington's like one of those football basketball kids who just comes at you and you're either going to take the hit or get out of the way. You know, it's like the air brakes go out in a Peterbilt. You know, do you want to take the hit or not? I just love the flow he brings to the game. They have a wonderful guard uh, in DeMonte DeGraffenry. And he struggled um, in that first half against Norwayne, uh, basically because he was trying, I thought, personally doing too much from the perimeter. He readjusted, and I think this is part of the coaching too, and got the majority of his points in the second half by finishing at the rim. And they had no answer for him when he got down low. He either finished or they fouled him, and he went to the line. Um, Reagan is another fine kid. Velosky, the sophomore, again, another sophomore kid that just runs a, a wonderful point uh, for Central. And they get enough help off the bench just to give those starters a breather and, and just contribute in any way they can. This is a fun team. And they're not a team that, that scares you on paper. They're not a team where they take the court and they're going to roll you. But if you give them a window of opportunity, they will find a way to shut the window on your fingers, if you will. They can take the air out of your sails, and they can finish a game. We've watched them do a back-to-back game now, so nothing will surprise me, even though Coach Kramer told me this next game by far is the toughest game thus far. But it doesn't surprise me if they go in there and in the eyes of many pull the surprise or upset, if you will. Yeah, they outscore Norwayne in that second half, 28-19 to to advance. Uh, to Wednesday's game again, 6 o'clock right here on WHBC from Bowling Green University. Uh, it'll be Central against Wayne Trace. We'll have it for you. So best of luck uh, to Central Catholic and their coach uh, will join us at 6 o'clock. Let's turn our attention to uh, the women. Uh, Northwest uh, on the road to the state semifinals for the first time in school history. They're 26-2, and and they'll play Proctorville Fairland, who's 27-0, and Bells, I didn't know about this team. You know, we saw their record and everything, and they, they lost yeah. twice to CBCA, but then they avenged both of those losses in the playoffs, and now here they are off to Dayton for a chance to uh, maybe win a state championship. 
You know, isn't that incredible? Uh, I love yeah. stories like this. They have seven seniors on this team that have gone through, I think, three conference championships now. Uh, they've made four runs in the district, and this is the first time in school history they've made it to a state final four. And if I'm not correct, uh, mistaken, I read somewhere that these seven seniors have been playing together since fifth grade. Wow. And here they are collectively doing this uh, against a very formidable opponent in that state semi. They've got some talent on this team, man. They're fun to watch. Uh, they play with a calmness from what I understand. We talked to some of the uh, TV crews that have covered them throughout the year, and they said, wait, do you see this Bottomley kid, uh, Lily Bottomley? She is as good as any player we have seen on, on the girls' level in many, many years. Uh, she's a 6'2 kid. She's a double-double machine. She'll do anything from 15 and 10 to 25 and 10 to 28 and 12. She's that type of kid inside, outside. They have good guard play in, the, in, in Kudnick and Stark and Gianna Kuhn. And they distribute well. They can lean on somebody like Bottomley, but they also have this uh, surrounded by talent, whether it be starters or bench, that just go in and, and execute the game plan. And that's how you get the 26-2. and two. You take on everybody. As you said, you avenge the loss when it counts the most in the tournament. And, man, how exciting. Your, your first state Final Four, it, let it all out. You've got nothing to lose. Just go be loose, play your game, and see if you can't bring home the hardware. Yeah, and the other thing, too, that just jumped into my head when you mentioned about how long these girls have been together, maybe since fifth grade, seven of them. Sounds a lot like that Jackson team from 2017, doesn't it? Right? Yes. That yes. Um, uh, y you look at that and you say those kids wanted to be like the 2010 team, and, and they get all the way to uh, the state championship and win it. So that, that uh, auto auto automatically a light bulb went on in my head. Yeah, and didn't we see pictures, Kenny, of uh, those kids on that 2017 team hanging out with the kids from the 2010 yep. team, if I'm not mistaken? I mean, that tells you something about heritage in a program and a feeder system and looking up to upperclassmen and aspiring one day to do what they did. Uh, it, it, these are stories, man, that, that you make those uh, short documentaries on. I mean, and you just – you got to love it. I know Jason Hathaway, the AD of Northwest, is just pumped for this. Coach Lowry is pumped for this. The whole community is pumped for this. And we're so happy that we can be there, even though we're going to be doing frequent driver miles from uh, Bowling Green to Dayton and back home. And, hey, if they win, we're back out there Saturday, I hope, uh, to, to bring home the hardware. Yeah, we'll have that game for everybody. If you want to put it on your calendar right now, uh, that game is being played uh, Thursday at 1 p.m. at the University of Dayton. That's where the state semis and the state finals are for both boys and girls. Uh, Northwest yeah. against Proctorville, uh, Fairland, 27 and 0. Fairland, uh, Northwest 26 and 2. They beat Canfield 51 to 29. How about that? There you go. We talked about all those close games involving Star County boys teams. Uh, that's a nice yeah. way for Coach Lauer, right? Uh, just go out and blow somebody out, and you don't have to sweat <laughs> it down the stretch, right? Right, Bells? Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's no question where you're going next. You're going to, you know, the date and to try to finish things out. You know, and that was impressive, too, when you came off a CBCA game that was really close. Another one yeah. of those in the 30s games. And that's what's impressive about these girls, too. They came back in the, in the trifecta match, if you will, and took them out. And I have read somewhere that in the second half, they held CBCA to one field goal in the game. And that's wow. how they pulled it out. Defense shut them down. 
they got the buckets when they need them, and they moved on to uh, win the next one and now take themselves to date. Yeah, so best of luck to uh, Northwest and Central Catholic. And Bells, calling these games, and you just brought up something else that triggered something for me. Game in the 30s. A lot of talk on social media over the weekend about how these games, we got to get out of the Stone Age, get the shot clock in for boys and girls high school basketball, and get these games to be more exciting so we're not playing 30-27 to games and 38-37 to games. Give me your thoughts on someone who calls games. Uh, what Would you like to see that, or are you okay where it's at right now? Yeah, I'm okay in a sense where it's at right now, but I'm always open to change. And in the way the game has changed at you know, the college level to the pro level, I would not have a problem uh, with the shot clock. I'm not sure a lot of coaches would either. Uh, to me, we're seeing a lot of these slower games. I think you're, you're almost getting situations with some teams, they play not to win, they play not to lose. Is right. what they do, and that, that the clock can help you when you start spreading the floor and collect yourselves and so on. But it also, I think, showcases coaching and talent when you put them under a reasonable time. I don't know what that would be for a shot clock. I'm not sure what it is in college, but it's worked out well in college. And then, of course, you have the much shorter shot clock uh, in the NBA. I think it adds excitement to the game. I think it can really elevate some of the talented kids. Uh, when they know that they can just get in set offenses, they don't delay. They they react more instinctively, I think, than they do sometimes adapting, improvising at set offenses. It would not bother me in the least uh, to see that happen, and I think it will happen sooner or later one day in high school hoops. I think it's interesting in the girls' game anyway. At the college level, they're still playing quarters, not halves like they do in the men's basketball. And in high school, right. if you're going to implement a shot clock – you might want to increase the, the, the minutes in a quarter. I mean, it's just something to, to think about because the offense is going to have to change. If you put a shot clock on it, you're going to have to run different sets. You're going to have to run different pick and roll, whatever it is, and then get that yeah. shot up because you've seen it so many times, especially in the girls' game uh, at the college level. And I saw this in the Ohio State game yesterday as I watched. There's a couple of shot clock violations there, so you have to really watch yourself. If you're going to run a set, you have to know when that person really needs to shoot the ball. Yeah, that's true. And that's re- that's really well put, JT. That really is because, you know, in high school, we deal with eight minute quarters. We have games that when if it's a clean game, then I call them fouls. We're done yep. in an hour and 20 minutes. So, so yeah, wow. you'd almost have to bump that to 12 minute quarters, I think, 10 to 12 minute quarters to kind of uh, offset what you're going to do. I mean, it, it's going to add pressure to the game to some kids. Well, it's going to have it to really add a lot more than that, too, because we talked about it last year. The infrastructure alone, you're going to have to pay for those clocks you're gonna to have to pay for somebody to run those clocks and then yeah. you know it just keeps adding and adding to it where does it ever end unless other they can states do it though i understand you know that other I mean? states might have more money than us all i'm saying is ohio's high school athletic association has to tackle the issue and figure out okay if we're gonna do this how are we gonna right. what do we do do we charge the schools more money so we can afford to buy the clocks and the officials well, it, it, you know, it, there's going to be so many unanswered questions on that. Yep. So they really sit down and discuss. I mean, it's on the surface right now. It's been bantered about for quite some time, but I don't think there's ever really been truly a focus on it and, and a roundtable discussion on it with the, the powers that be to make it happen. I mean, look what we did in high school football, with the play clock. Yeah, You know, those are out there now. They implemented it. They found a fair way to do it, and, and it's done properly. So, 
And you bring up, though, with the clock, and you go back, Kenny, you were mentioning the last championship team for Jackson. And yeah. that was a game in the 30s. That was down in Columbus. Yeah. So right. we're seeing more and more and more of these games in the 30s. And, my gosh, it seems like if we get a game in the 50s in the tournament, it's like you think it's run and gun almost. But, well, um, the, yeah, I, would love, the other night, I would love to see that open up. Yeah. The other night, Medina lost to St. Ed 67-60, and it was one of the highest-scoring playoff games uh, all year. You know what I mean? And, and that's only 127 yeah. points. See, I'm all for it. I, I would love to see the shot clock in high school basketball. I think it would be more exciting. The kids would like it more as well. So I here's the thing. I know it's a daunting task to get it started, but once you get it started and you get those clocks, okay, yeah, it's a one-time fee of a couple thousand dollars to get those clocks you know, in there, and you have to pay somebody to run it. But, hey, you've got somebody running the, the regular clock and the scoreboard anyways, right? So you get hire one more person. Yeah. And after that first year of paying for those, uh, then you hope to, you know, pay them off as time goes along. So uh, we'll see if it, you know, travels down that avenue uh, after this season or in the coming years. But we're excited about what's happening this week on WHBC. Again, Wednesday, 6 o'clock, Central Catholic will take on Wayne Trace at Bowling Green University. Dan Belford and Denny Kincaid will have the call of that one. And then Thursday, Northwest, the ladies will take on Proctorville Fairland. That'll be a 1 o'clock tip-off. Uh, in Dayton for the Division II uh, regional, no, state semifinals for the chance to play for the state title. Bells, have a great, safe trip, fun calls, and we'll all be listening here on WHBC on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. All right, Kenny, JT, thanks, guys. Always appreciate the time. There he is, Dan Belford, checking in with us here on the Kenny and JT Show, talking high school hoops.